Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. I'd like to just take this moment to mention that if you like this uh, camaraderie, come to EC Ladies on Wednesday night, because, uh, not that it's about Lord of the Rings, but, yeah, we're having a Lord of the Rings but there is a lot of uh, this kind of talk and just great just fellowship together. Um, so, uh, also, if you're listening on the podcast and you're not here today, um, I would say, um, you know, we're talking about Lord of the Rings because it's awesome, you're missing out on that, so come to church next Sunday, and then you'll be able to hear all sorts of really cool conversations that happen here. Um, so, well, welcome everybody. Glad you guys are here with us. That was, that was a really just beautiful time of worship. Um, you know, we, uh, sang that song, All I Need Is You, and, um, it kind of ties into today, and I was, I just felt like I wanted to say something, I felt prompted to say something, but I wasn't quite sure where, and now I feel like it's, like, now is a great time. You know, um, I used to feel weird about saying things like that in songs, very like absolute things like all I need is you, you know, because I would be like, well, is that really true? Because I need my job, you know, and I, I, um, I need my wife, I need my kids, you know, those kinds of things. And I, for a long time, that's my over analytical brain. I get that. Um, but there's a lot of people like me in the world who think like that. Um, and I would sort of feel disingenuous in a way, singing some songs. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. And like there are worship songs that someone has written, and it's very beautiful, and it's very poetic. Um, you know, and it's like, all I need is you, or you are everything. I'd leave everything else behind, all that stuff. And, and sometimes I'm singing it, and, I, and it's like, I'm like 80% singing it, you know, because 20% of me is like, eh, I don't know, like I'm not sure yet. Um, or, but I will say, I was reminded today... Um, that I was reminded of when I was singing the song before and I felt that way, and today I did not. Today I, I very genuinely just had this moment of, you are truly everything that I need. You know, and I started going through this exercise in my mind, very analytically, like what are the things that I thought I would need, and I was, you know, the things that I love or that are precious to me, um, that I would, that I was vision, envisioning my life without them, and then... And then just still telling God that he's all I needed, you know. So I, I thought about this house. I thought about my TV. I thought about my family, you know. I thought about all those things that are good things, beautiful, wonderful things I'm so thankful for. But there was a space in my heart that said, but even if all of those were gone, I would get by and I would be okay because I have the Lord. And that is a shift away from where I was before um, a long time ago. And if you find yourself in that spot today where you do hear worship songs and you're like, I just don't know that I feel that way yet. Um, today's entire message is in a roundabout way about this idea um, and that it is a journey. And I want to tell you that just it's a it's a it's an everyday journey of learning who God is and what he provides and what he offers in his presence and living for him that slowly over time shifts your perspective. And I can tell you that that I have seen him 
operate in my life in ways that nothing, no one thing, no person could ever fulfill. And I just wanted to share that with you this morning, um, that even if you can't today 100% genuinely say something in a, in, a, in a lyric of a worship song, you know, it doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means that, that you are still working through that process of getting there. So I just want to encourage you with that. Uh, so today we are going to continue our message series called God Never Said That. And what we're doing in this message series is we're, um, we're talking about sort of cultural um, phrases that we use um, that have sort of adapted over time, maybe out of scripture, they've taken out of context, or somehow over time people have said something about God um, that has kind of morphed into a phrase that we console ourselves with. Like last week, we talked about how um, we, we encourage ourselves with God wants me happy, you know, like with this idea that God, above all things, wants us happy. And the problem is, is that this and the other phrases that we're going to be talking about in the series is that, is that it might sound good, but theologically, the distinction of whether it's true or not actually has an effect on the way that we view God and the way that we behave towards other people in our lives. And in that particular case, God wants us to be happy, ultimately leads us to a place where we feel like when I'm not happy that God has failed me. And, and to a bigger place of that God exists to serve <laughs> us, right? And But the reality is that God wants us to not pursue happiness, but to pursue him. And when we pursue him, he provides what we need. And that's just a radical shift away from, you know, this idea that everything should be good and fluffy. Well, we're going to take that to uh, extend that thought out, extrapolate it a little bit today um, with this phrase here that I'm sure you have been heard this before as well. And this is a, a probably even more prevalent that people say to each other is that God won't give you more than you can handle. Mm-hmm. How many of you have ever heard that before? How many of you have ever told anybody that before? <laughs> we have a couple of brave ones in the room. <laughs> so here's the thing. God never said that. God never said that he won't give us more than we can handle. Imagine a scenario for a second. I think probably every one of us have been in, the, in, a, in a scenario like this. Imagine you're out at a coffee shop you know, with a friend who's just going through a hard time. Right. And uh, or imagine like you're a fly on the wall looking at these two people. And this one person is just saying, you know, I'm going through it right now. My job is 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 crashing underneath me. My marriage is falling apart. I'm I'm flunking my classes. I can't pay my bills. I don't know what to do. I'm fed up. I'm so frustrated. I just can't do it anymore. I mean, we felt like that. All of us have felt like this at one time or another. And then some well-meaning Christian looks across the table at them and says a number of things that we oftentimes will say to them. Things like, well, when God closes a door, he opens a window. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, we heard that before, right? When God closes a door, he always opens a window. Well, what if you're on like the 14th floor of a building? I don't want to go out that window. Uh, or maybe... Um, or, or maybe God helps those who help themselves. So that's another one that God never said. That's a different message. But, you know, the idea of like, you know, well, maybe there are things that you could be doing better, right? Which may or may not be true, but that's not something that God said. But, but imagine in that moment, this person pours out their heart to you and they say, you know what? Just don't worry about it because God will never give you more than you could handle. And I just imagine like some angel just smacking you across the face going, No! God did not say that. God did not say that. God won't give you more than you can handle. That's not true. And it actually seems like it comes out of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
verse 13, it says this, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out. So you're like, great, look, right there, right? But the actual thing that's being said here is it's talking about temptation. It's not talking about problems. It's not talking about struggle. It's not talking about like the, 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 the obstacles that we face. It's talking about sin, particularly, and the temptation that drags us away from the faith. Uh, it's not talking about this idea of, you know, problems coming that we can't deal with. In fact, there are a lot of people in the Bible, a lot of examples in Scripture that we see of people who were not up to the task and needed God's assistance, and they knew it. Gideon was an example of that. Gideon in the Old Testament said, I'm weak. Like, I'm not, I'm afraid. I'm not the guy. I am not strong enough to be able to do what you called me to do. Moses was an example of this. Moses had a speech impediment, like a disability, and he begged God and said, I can't do this. I can't like be your mouthpiece. Bring my brother. And he actually ended up having Aaron, his brother, come along and help him. He said, I, I can't, I'm not strong. I've murdered someone. I, I, I'm not, I'm not worthy. I can't bear the weight of what you want me to do. It's too much for me to handle. And God says, yes, it is. You're going to need me to go along with you. Uh, we see that with Esther as well. Esther was was a woman who, you know, her entire family line, the entire her people group, the Jewish people, were being hunted down, and she had to live sort of in secret and in hiding, and be put into a position with the king to where she would walk into his presence and ask for something when she could be executed for it, and it was too much for her to bear. But she knew that she had to rely on God's strength in that moment. Um, we even see in the Psalms. Right? We see when David, who had done some really, some really rough things in his life and also was in, put in some really bad positions, he writes this in Psalm 38. He says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a heavy burden to bear. I am exhausted. I am completely crushed. I mean, that sounds like somebody who's been given more than they can handle. He says, my groans come from an anguished heart. Like David was given more than he could handle. And then we even see Jesus, our Savior, the one that we prop up as perfect in the garden, begging his father to take the cross away from him. In Mark 14, 33, he says, Jesus began to be deeply distressed, like weighed down by the weight of the of the of what was coming to him. It was more than he could handle. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Does God give us more than we can handle? We like to comfort ourselves. We like to tell each other, like it sounds nice to say, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. It's a well-meaning thing, but it's not true because in our lives and in the lives of so many people, we see people who are given, who experience things that are well beyond their capability to do anything about it. And that sounds hopeless. Why would God do that? We know that God could do whatever he wants. We know that God could just snap his fingers and immediately a situation would be taken care of. Why would God do that? And that's our question for today. Why would God allow you to have more than you can handle? There are two reasons. And what I said in the very beginning of today's message is true. Okay, It's true. And these two things, if you've been around church for a long time, might sound like a cliche to you. If you are the person like me who analyzes things or who's in the middle of something frustrating, and you may have heard this kind of a message a hundred times, try to get beyond the cliche of what it is, but know that what is being said is true. Like, God's word is true. Why would God allow you to go through something that you cannot handle on your own? Number one is because he wants to teach us to learn 
to depend on his presence. He wants to teach us to depend on his presence. And here's why. Because when things are good, when things are going well, I don't find myself like at his feet, like pulling on his, you know, on his like hem of his garment, like the, the woman who had struggled for 16 years of, you know, with the bleeding disorder. And she like, that makes her unclean. Okay. The law says she's unclean or the stories of, of the, of the leper who, who runs and begs Jesus and goes to him, right? He was not allowed to be there. But that desperation, right, that kind of desperation means he could be kicked out. He could lose everything that he had, which is a very, very little because he was like living in a leper colony, right? This woman could be, could be potentially put to death or stoned to death because she broke the law for her running. She was so desperate, she ran to Jesus, right? When I am desperate, I call out to him. But when things are going well, when things are good, I just get into my routine. I go to work. You know, I do my job, I go on vacation, I've got money, so I go to get coffee, I watch movies that I want to watch, you know, I'm having a good time. I don't find myself, like, hungry to spend time in God's presence, right? When things are going really well, I begin to think that all the things that are happening in my life are what sustain my life. My good job is what sustains my life. My happy marriage is what sustains my life. My beautiful kids and their success in school and in life is what sustains my life, my favorite hobbies and the books and the movies and all the things like the house and all of these things, I begin to forget that God provided them. And I begin to sing songs that say, all I need is you. And then that's when it begins to creep in. It's like, yeah, you and my house and my job and my job and my, my you know, financial situation, all those things. It, it starts to creep in there. But the reality is that when the things get rocky, we we'd like immediately run back and call on God. Even people who, who don't, like this is true even of people who aren't, um, aren't faith religious individuals. I remember when I was working at um, Bank of New York Mellon downtown, my coworker Anthony um, was, made a point to tell me that he had never stepped foot in a church in his life, not even for a wedding, you know. And that was kind of surprising to me, but there's a growing number of people who they just were not, they didn't grow up in any kind of religious home. And so, they have churches and barns, right, these days instead of, I mean, how many of you have been in church wedding barns? Like, lots of us. Um, talking to you. Me. <laughs> but, like, you yeah, know, that's, so So he, you know, every day, he knew I was a Christian. He knows that you know, I'm oftentimes taking my lunch break working on messages, and um, he knew we were going to be planting this church and all this kind of stuff. And so we had good conversations, but he was just, he was the kind of guy who lived his life where every day, you know, he was going out partying in the evenings and the weekends. I would hear new stories about what his life was like, dating different girls, hooking up with different girls and all this kind of stuff. Well, one day he comes back after a weekend away with his girlfriend that he'd been with for a few months. And, you know, it was a wild weekend of alcohol and, you know, sexuality. And he comes in and um, and he's telling me about it. And I'm like, that's that's great, man. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't need any more details. And uh, he's all worried, though. Right. He's all worried. And I said, what's the matter? How was your weekend? He says it was a great weekend. He says, but, but can I tell you something? I said, yeah, he says, he says, um, I, I'm just worried because I think I might have contracted some like disease or something from her. And I'm like, wow, man, you need to go to the doctor or something, right? He's like, it's just, you know, I don't give you too much detail. Like it, it's like, it hurts. And it, I was like, it's okay. And he says to me, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not like a praying man, but would you mind praying for me? Like, would you mind praying for me? And I said, absolutely. 
when things go wrong, right, in our lives, even those who've never stepped into the doors of a church ever, if they know somebody who's a Christian, they're going to be like, would you pray for me? Like, they might not even believe that it'll do anything, but there is something that says that, like, that when my life is falling apart, I have to reach out to something bigger than I. And sometimes God will allow us to go through things that we cannot handle in order to teach us that we need to depend on him because we tend to forget that God is present every day and that we need him every day and that at any moment something we have in our life that we have made a a pillar for us can crumble beneath us and our life can crash down in front of us. At any given moment, we need the Lord. Jonah even found this to be true in the Old Testament. Jonah was told by God. Jonah said, God said to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach the name of, of the Lord to them because I want to save the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was not in Israel. They were the, the enemies of Israel. They were like, um, they, these people, like, think of it racially, think of it, uh, you know, stereotypically, they're discriminating, racism, racism, all of it. Like, Jonah was like, I'm not going to the people who have oppressed my family, who have done everything against me. I'm not going to them to save them. So Jonah runs away, and we know the story that that a storm comes in Jonah on the ship, and so Jonah jumps overboard and is going to die, and and then and then obviously gets you know the scripture tells us he gets swallowed by a large fish, and then eventually spit out onto uh, the onto the the beach. Right? This is what Jonah says in Jonah two, verses two and seven. He says, "In my distress." Right? So like when things are going well, we're not talking about God. Jonah's on the on the boat getting ready to set up on his little cruise ship. I can imagine him on the deck just getting some sun out in the Mediterranean Sea, right? And he's like ready to go. And then the storm comes and he's like overboard. And in my distress, I what? Called to the Lord and he answered me. In verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. And see, what happens here is that when the storm comes, we are often reminded that we need to depend on God's presence. When life is hard, we go, God, where are you? Where are you? I need you. And it calls us to come to him. It calls us to reach out for him. Here's what I want to say to you guys today. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Our tendency is to think that God is not there in those moments. And it's probably because, in a lot of ways, is that we don't, remember God's presence when things are going well, so we don't know how to look for it when things aren't going wrong, when they're going wrong, okay? So never let the presence of the storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Call on him in those moments. In Psalm 145, 18 says, the Lord is near to all those who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Call on him. When I was in college, or I'm sorry, not when I was in college, prior to college in high school, I made a lot of bad decisions. Um, I, I, you know, was skipping classes. I was hanging out with the wrong people. Um, I was, you know, smoking. I was dabbling in drugs. I was involved in sexuality, um, you know, kind of sleeping around with a couple people. Um, I was trying out different, like, religion sort of things. And all of this is I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are pastors, have been all my life. So I knew, I knew exactly what I was supposed to be doing, what was right and what was wrong, but I chose a different path. And in the beginning, my life started to fall apart. In the beginning, I started to get angry at God. I was like, God, why would you do this to me? But as I went further and further away from what I knew was right in my life, my life was falling apart in front of my eyes. I started to feel that way. I began to feel less angry at God and realize that I did all this to myself. 
I made these choices to myself and I started to see that God was bringing people into my life, reminding me, telling me, like, come back to God. Like, God is what you need. And I began to see over time, over time, that, it, that the decisions that I made pulled me away. I was at rock bottom. I was in a miserable place. And God was using that time. Why would he give me more than I could handle? Because I believe in my circumstances that God knew that he would never reach me if, if I just kept going, if things were good. I believe that God allowed those circumstances to happen in my life so that I could be sitting here today to tell you that I know that God is all I truly need. I'm telling you, like, why would God give us more than we can handle? Sometimes it's our own doing, and other times it's things that we didn't, we don't deserve, we didn't do it, but God will allow us to go through things that we cannot get out of our own, or allow us to go through things so that we learn to depend on his presence. And he promises that in those times he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. We need to learn his presence and what it feels like in the good times and in the bad times. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. So the first thing, right, is that God never said that he will give he won't give us more than we can handle. And sometimes he allows us to go through more than we can handle so that we learn to depend on his presence. But the second thing is this, is that not only does he want us to te- to learn to depend on his presence, but he wants us to experience his power. Like there is something that can happen in those times that we just can't do on our own. And in 2 Corinthians verse or chapter 12, we see the Apostle Paul. It's a very familiar passage where Paul is begging God to take the thorn in his side away. Now we don't know what that was. Right, so so scholars have tried to figure it out. They thought maybe it was some kind of like a degenerative disease that maybe he had. Others would say maybe he had like his eyesight because we know that or later on he was writing. He said, look at the large letters I'm writing in because he couldn't see maybe. Um, some people think it might have been a really obnoxious, annoying person. Like somebody who just, that, that we could never shake them and they've been like a thorn in this ministry. The reality is, is that we don't know. We don't know exactly what it was. And so what it says is for three times, he asked the Lord to take it from him. Now, we tend to think that just means like three prayers, right? We tend to think that that means, God, take this away from me. God, take this away from me. God, take this away from me. Well, I guess it's not going to happen. In reality, what this most likely means is this is seasons of prayer. Like, like heavy seasons of pleading with God for something. Right. So like months and months at a time of just hardcore seeking after God, fasting, staying away from things that are fine. Otherwise, food or music or whatever, just dedicating that time, you know, like serving God with it, with fervency and dedicating and, and devoting your prayer, channeling it towards that one thing, doing that multiple times and asking God ultimately in the end, why will you not release me from this thing? Because if anybody deserved it. If anybody had the faith for it, I mean, if you read the stories of Paul and Acts and then hear what he talks about in the rest of the epistles, like the man did incredible miracles, right? Like if anyone had the faith for it, if anyone deserved it, it would be somebody like Paul. And we know that God could just at any moment, right? Like at any moment. And some of you in the room know someone or are going through things. You're like, God, why won't you take this from me? 
Why is it that, that this is happening? I mean, some of maybe chronic headaches or um, a child with cancer. God, don't you, of course you would want a child to be healed of that. Or, or you know, we see those types of things. Or financially, I just wish that I could get ahead for just one month, right? Like it could be any number of circumstances, any anything. God, you could just, you could just fix this. You could just change this. I've done everything that I can. Why aren't you, please just help take this away? Why not? This is more than I can handle. Well, this is what this is what God said to him. And we see what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for, for you. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Not only does he want to teach us to depend on his presence, he wants us to experience his power. But what does that mean? Like, God, I am stuck here in the middle of, of a situation that I that I don't want to be in, that hurts me, that's frustrating, it's painful, I want to be done with it, you could fix it, I believe you can, I'm a good person, like I go to church, I pray, I tithe, like I, I align my life with your principles, you use me in my life, I see how you are affecting other people because of me being a light, I'm doing everything right, why won't you fix it? And the answer you have for me is my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. And this is something that until you experience it, it will sound disingenuous to you. It will sound like a cop-out to you. But when you experience it, and it's like one of those things where I can't tell you, I can't show you, you have to experience it for yourself. And when you do, then you'll be sitting on this side of the chair saying, it's true. All I need is you. All I need is you. He says, therefore, so Paul got this concept. Somehow it clicked in his brain. And he said, well, okay, therefore, I will then boast all the more gladly about my weakness. He's like, so if I'm going to be weak, then I'll be really weak, like a lot weak, all the time weak, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Like, if that's the secret, like, if that's the formula to see God's power working in my life, and I got to be weak to do it, well, then I'm going to be weak. Like, I'm just not even going to try to, like, handle these things. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Wow. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. I'm not there yet. Let me just be honest, okay? <laughs> like, I'm not fully there yet, okay? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me tell you an area of my life that I have seen this. A very, just a practical, simple way. And, and, and at the risk of maybe you not identifying, but try to, try to insert a scenario in your life that, that you feel this way. Every single Sunday, I deliver a message. I preach to you, right? And all throughout the week, I'm writing a message. I'm thinking about, okay, God, what do you want to say to your to your church family? What is it you want them to know, right? Um, and then it's time for me to get up, whether it be in a building uh, or if it's like sitting here in the chair in our living room. It doesn't really matter, right? Like at some point, I have to then begin sharing what I felt like the Lord put on my heart. But there are plenty of days when you guys don't know or don't see that we get into a fight at home, 
you know, just before people walk in. There are times where, like, at 9.25, we're still wrapping up whatever, you know, issue happened this morning in the house, whether it's doing Heather and I or me and the kids or, you know, whatever, right? And, like, I got to just be in the zone. There are days where I'm feeling terrible, where I'm not feeling well. There have been days you guys have heard me preach and my voice is like, you know, just kind of nasty, gross, right? Like, there are plenty of days. And what I do is I always say, I pray beforehand and even during worship, and I know it's getting close, I always pray, God, I do not feel up to this. I do not feel like this. I just don't want to be here today. There are lots of times, if I could be honest with you, there are days, I'm sure as you guys are, I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like being here. I'm tired. It's been a long week. It's been busy. I, you know, maybe I'm struggling with some sinful thing or failed yesterday and, you know, yelled at my wife. I don't know. It could be any number of things. And I just don't feel like it. And it almost feels disingenuous for me to deliver a sermon, right? Sometimes I feel that way. And I just pray, God, I know that in my weakness, you will show up. And guess what happens? So many times when I have thought I preached the worst message of my life, where I felt like, man, that was like, I just mailed that in. Like, there are times where I have felt like I just did my part, did the best that I could do. But, you know, I, you know, I might have to like put in a resignation letter or something. People just might not want to hear me preach anymore. And I can't tell you how many times either that week or that day, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Jared, thank you so much for what you said today. It spoke to me on so many levels. Like it hit me so hard and I don't do this for accolades because I don't get them very often. So like, like I, it's not why I do it and I'm not asking for them. But what I am saying is that when in my moments of weakness, when I have to rely on God, there are so many times where I have to say, God, if you don't show up in this message today, people will probably get up and leave and never come back. Like, that's how I feel. You've got to show up, God. I need you to do this. You called me to pastor this church, and there are so many times where I don't feel adequate. I don't feel up to it. You have got to do this. You have to do it. You have to make up the gap from where I stop and where we need to be. And I cannot tell you how many times when I have just said to God, and I'm weak, I need you to show up, that he does, and he does. And that's what it means. That's what it means to like experience his power. Sometimes he allows us to go through things that are more than we can handle so we can learn to depend on his presence. And when we learn to rely on him and just sit in the boat with him in the middle of the storm and know that he's there and will take care of it, that we get to see him do something that I couldn't do. We're rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing against like the waves, right? And it just feels like water is just coming in. There are times when you just like like I know I'm just exhausted and if I stop rowing I'm going to drown like that's how you feel but the thing is is that instead of doing that just trust in him and know it's like I'm not going to be rowing because no matter amount of rowing is going to help me I'm exhausting myself and I live in this constant state of feeling like like it's not enough and I look at God and I just throw my hands up and he's just saying to me if you would just stop trying to do everything on your own rely on me when it's calm and when it's in the storm and I promise you you will see my power because in your weakness I get to now show up I feel like it's weird like God is like a like a gentleman like God wants the wants the spotlight for himself right God doesn't want to share the spotlight so as long as you or I are trying to like have our little part in it even if we think that it's like fruitless God's just going to sit back there and wait for us and then the moments that we go I I'm stopping 
I trust you. That doesn't mean that immediately, pow, like he's like, good, now you rub the genie lamp and all of a sudden you're going to get exactly what you wanted. But like I said, I still felt terrible after preaching a message that I felt like I had no business preaching that day. I still had to do it. I still had to go through it. And whatever scenario I had caused or was going through that caused me to feel that way, it still existed. But I experienced something that God only himself could do. He supernaturally takes a scenario and gave me strength or gave me a voice or gave me a nugget of truth that I didn't even prepare to say. But in the moment, he delivered it to me. You know, that's what it means to experience his power. There are times in your life when you're like working three jobs and God says, I want you to stop. You're not spending any time with your kids. I want you to quit one of those jobs. And that sounds insane. Don't do that unless you feel like God's really telling you to do that. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's not like, right. But, but then somehow God brings in a stream or like Heather was saying earlier today with her job. She's like, God, like I'm frustrated because I'm not making the money that I should be making or I feel like I should be. It feels like a dead end job. And so she's praying for, for something. God, I need you to do something. And then this week she gets a, a call from her boss telling her about they want to consider for a a new role that they're creating for her whether or not that happens we'll see but the point is is that like like god's power is on display when we admit our weakness and we say god i'm too weak i can't handle this it's yours here here give it to him there's so many different scenarios i think of my friend eric who's just adopted three kids like they brought in, actually four at the time, they brought in four foster kids that were all siblings in neglected circumstances. I remember going out to coffee or lunch with him one day, and he just, he just told me, he said, Jared, like, like a week ago, I was in the shower, I was weeping of how hard it is to see the pain that these kids have gone through and, you know, dealing with it and trying to offer them structure in a new home and everything, you know? And he's like, I can't, I, I, I'm just, I can't, I'm not up to this task. It's only the strength of the Lord, the love of God that he's put, the supernatural compassion for these kids into his heart, right? He's weak. He has acknowledged his weakness and God fills in the gaps for what is needed. It could be a rebellious child. You could be single. I, I saw a friend on Facebook last night in like a funny meme, but basically saying like, am I ever going to not be single? Like, and that brings its own challenges of feeling like I don't want to be single. I don't want to be alone, right? And like, it's so hard for me to not sleep with that person because I know it's not right, but but that makes me feel better. Like there's so many things. I can't get ahead of my bills. It could be a sickness or a disease or an illness that you're struggling with. There's so many things. And we think that I have to be strong. And no, the reality is you have to be weak. What did Paul say? He says, I boast in my weaknesses. Like wear like a badge of honor. I can't do this. I cannot do this. But until God is all that you have, you'll never realize that he's all that you need. Until until God is all you have, until you have gotten to that place, and that's kind of what I was saying. I had this sort of realization this morning as we were singing that song, All I Need Is You. I spent a lot of my life looking at various avenues of things that I kind of, whether I didn't say it out loud but I somewhere subconsciously believed that that thing was going to be something I needed. I went down so many roads and thought of all those things. And once I got to a place, I finally gotten to a place where I realized none of those things will answer my problems. None of those things will provide fulfillment for me. None of those things will. I continue to feel that way. And I have continued to rely on God. And I look back and I have enough history now. To where I can say the times where I chose, whether it was late or early in the process, where I chose to rely on him, 
and recognize my weakness and say, God, I need your strength in this. I need your power in it. I have seen him enough times now do that to where I can honestly say, all I need is you. Until God is all you have, you'll never realize that he's all that you need. So I want to close with Romans 8, verse 26 and 28. It says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What that is saying is that no matter what scenario you're in, whether it's a good time on the mountaintop or whether you're in the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, when you feel like your bones are crushed under, in, you know, within you, no matter what it is, God is working all things for your good. He loves you, and he wants you to, and when we say good, that doesn't mean like prosperity, like money. Good as in like your perspective on life. That means comfort, peace in your soul. It might include plenty of food or money, but it, it's about the intrinsic nature of who we are in relationship to him. And that's why Paul can say, whatever this disease is, this thorn in my side, I will boast now in the weakness because I know it's making me who God wants me to be. And when I am who God wants me to be, I'm at peace. I can sleep at night. You know, I can make it through each day. I don't have to worry because I know that God is for me and that he is moving me forward and that I can rely on him. And in days when I feel like I'm weak, I can just say, okay, I don't have to pretend to be anything else. I can just acknowledge that I'm struggling and then know that that means that God's answer, that God's provision, that God's strength, his comfort, his authority will begin to sow in my, show up in my life when we rely on him. So God will allow more than you can handle. He does it to teach us to rely and depend on his presence, but also so that we can experience his power in, in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, you are good. And, um, you know, we, we, we go through a lot of things in our lives. And so many things are difficult. Every one of us in this room had felt at some point that we, it's just too much. I can't, I don't know what to do and I'm going to, Unless you do something, God, I'm going to be crushed under the weight of this thing. There's no way forward. And it seems like that sometimes that's exactly where you want us to be. Whether it's because of our own making, sometimes we put ourselves against a wall and we don't want to be here because of choices that we've made. And sometimes it's through no fault of our own that we just are under these circumstances. And we want to throw our hands up in the air. But God, instead of just wringing our hands and like shouting at the sky... Instead, God, help us to see this perspective. And I recognize that this is something that you can't just tell someone that they have to go through it and they have to learn it. So for anyone in this room, including myself, I know I'm not at the end of this path. God, for anyone in the room today who's hearing this as cliches instead of truth, God, I pray that I, in my weakness, in any, in, in any inauthenticity that comes out, in any sense of... Um, I don't know, any, any, anything that someone might look at me even today and go, well, you know, here's an excuse or there's a reason or whatever. God, that all of that would fall to the wayside and that your spirit would resonate as this is true. 
that your presence is the best place to be, that your power is made perfect in our weakness. And so we should acknowledge it and we should boast in it and live in that space so that your power will just exude all through our lives. God, that's such a, a like an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. It's so hard for us to understand it because all we want to do is avoid pain and avoid trouble and avoid weakness. And yet that's where you call us to be. God, would you begin to chip away at our at our Western thinking, begin to chip away at our American thinking about, about like better means stronger and all those, whatever. In this case, God, help us to see, to truly understand that your grace, your spirit, your presence is sufficient. It is not just the minimum. It is everything that we need. God, let us seek after you and your presence and experience your power in our struggles, in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing today and in this church. Guide us as we go from here and keep us safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Encounter PGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.